So church, we are in week three of our series called Sacred Pace. We are talking about how we slow ourselves down enough to get our desires aligned with God's will, how we make big decisions in life. And today we're going to be talking about fact-finding, how we go uncover the facts that help us make these big decisions. Let's pray together and we'll study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So what are you going to have for dinner tonight? That is a question you have probably asked yourself before, once or twice. And there are certainly some very obvious choices. You could do pizza, spaghetti, tacos, roasted chicken and vegetables, fish and, and salad, and ice cream. Ice cream could potentially be a choice for dinner tonight. Not a good choice, but one that I would wager that some people in this room have made before. Now, why would it be, though, that we would immediately all kind of acknowledge that ice cream is not the best choice? It's probably because we do know some facts about ice cream. We know that it has a, a super high sugar content, and that's generally not a good idea. We know that it does not represent all of the food groups that we are supposed to be eating from during a meal. We know that traditionally, historically speaking, Ice cream has not been seen as a main course. It is, it is referred to as a dessert or a special treat. So the facts clearly lean in the anti-ice cream for dinner direction. But still, there are people among us who might quite, quite possibly, at some point, no judgment, have made the choice to have ice cream for dinner. And in those cases, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. As we continue in this series on sacred pace, and we talk about what it means to get neutral so that we can hear God and align ourselves to his will, the second step in the process is to gather facts. Last week, we talked about step one, make sure that we are consulting with, abiding with our friend Jesus. And now we're going to work on being fact finders when it comes to the big decisions that we, we have to make in this life. Being clear about the facts helps us to separate what is of the flesh and what is of the spirit. So facts in this context are any data, reality, or truth that can rightly affect a conclusion about something. Paul helps to frame this for the Galatians when he says, live by the spirit, I say, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that's his premise, live by the spirit, not by the flesh. But what does that mean? What does that mean? What, is, what does that even look like? And what is the difference between those two things? Paul works hard in this passage to delineate between the two. For what the flesh desires, he says, is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. Be careful with this. That doesn't mean that you have a license to do whatever you want. Life by the Spirit is neither a legalism nor a license, not a middle way in between the two of them. It is a life of, of faith and love that is above these false ways. Being led by the Spirit does not imply that we have a passivity about things. 
but rather that we are going to allow ourselves to be led, which is exactly what we're talking about throughout this whole series, slowing down ourselves long enough to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we can align ourselves with God's will. And Paul goes on to outline what a life of the flesh looks like. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and other things like these. That's pretty, pretty thorough. Uh, I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there is a very definitive way that Paul is talking about here. And these are important things to keep in mind when, when you are gathering your facts. So let's say that you're trying to make a decision. You, you're thinking about purchasing a new home. And one of the reasons that you might have for looking for a new home is that you, you think that your current home is too small. So does that go into the fact or the opinion column? And it very much depends on how you think about why your home is too small. Is it too small because it is a two-bedroom home and you have five kids? That would be a legitimate fact, right? Because you cannot argue how much square footage you have and you cannot argue how many kids you have. So that's a fact. But is your home too small because you have accumulated so much stuff and you can't even move in there anymore? Is your home too small because you perceive it to be not as good as your friend's house? Is it too small because you simply just don't like it anymore? Those are more fleshly issues, and they tend to be the ones that, that will cause strife and dissension and anger and quarrels. The first offer I got when I graduated from seminary was to the Presbyterian Church of Haines, Alaska. And Sung and I had been married a little less than a year, and I could not wait to go. I was so excited about this opportunity. Sung was not. In my mind, this was a great adventure. This was an amazing opportunity. It was an opportunity that none of my other fellow graduates were going to have, and they were all going to talk about how great and exciting this adventure was, because they were just going to places like Atlanta. Or, or even Baltimore, but I was gonna go to Alaska. Well, we never made it to Haines. It never happened, because the facts were very hard to overcome. Haines is at the northern part of the Alaska Panhandle, so right there by the Bering Straits. The native people, the Klingit tribe, they named it the end of the trail. There is nowhere else to go, this is, this is it. In 2010, Haines had a population of almost 2,500 people, but that was if you included all of the regions surrounding it and the entire borough. Should you need serious medical care in Haines, it is only a 35-minute flight to Juneau or a 4.5-hour drive to the Whitehorse Medical Center in Yukon. At the peak of summer, the average high temperature is 65 degrees. Jennifer's <laughs> like, yes, let's go. The average low in winter is 19 degrees, but that doesn't factor in the wind chill. And by the way, winter in Alaska is far longer than it is here in Florida. 
the biggest things that Haynes has going for it is they, they are home to a multitude of bald eagles, and they are also home to Alaska's largest and longest running beer festival. It's a true fact. Now, with all of that information, it might be really hard for you to understand why Sung didn't want to move there, but, but then some of these facts got in the way. A, a fact was that we wanted to have kids. That, that was a fact. And, and even for me, the idea of possibly giving birth in the Alaskan wilderness was a, a little bit daunting. That was, that was a little bit scary. Another fact was that, that both of our entire families at that time lived on the East Coast and had no plans to move to Alaska ever. So, so that was a reality that we were facing. Another fact was, shockingly, in the town of 2,500 people, there was only one Presbyterian church, which meant that Sung would not be able to have a job in the field that he prepared for. Still, another fact is that neither one of us particularly love cold weather, and we define cold as anything below 80. So, <laughs> so this was going to be a tough sell. And the final blow, the final blow to Haynes, Alaska, was the fact that I don't drink beer. It is disgusting, and there is no need to have a festival to celebrate it. That last part is not really a fact, just a strongly worded opinion. But in the end, as much as it seemed like a great adventure and a great opportunity and definitely something that everybody would be talking about, we knew that such a decision in the face of these facts would ultimately tear us apart. It would tear us apart individually <clears throat> and as a couple because it would only be a matter of time before dissension, resentment, bitterness, and anger set in. And so we didn't go. When we talk about collecting our facts, we have to consider three things. One is the unchanging truth of Scripture. The second is uh, the truth of who we are, such as our temperaments, our talents, our, our values and principles. That's where it becomes important that Sung and I are not cold weather people. The third thing is the godly counsel of others. There's a reason why the Bible is still around, because it provides us with timeless truths and guidance. And the word of God is fresh every morning, but the truth of God's word is unchanging. So we can count on scripture for wisdom in our decision making. Other facts that have to be taken in consideration when making big decisions is the truth of who we are. I, I was meeting with a college recruiter this week, and he was explaining this phenomenon that we have going on right now of college students staying in college for six, eight years and not to get a master's degree. This is just, this is just the basic college route. And these students are accumulating ungodly amounts of debt. And his argument about this was that this happens because students aren't willing to look at what they call the right fit for college. They, they get in their minds this place that they want to go, but they haven't matched it to their skill set, their interests, their learning style, their affordability in relationship to future potential earnings. So going to the United States Naval Academy, that is a tremendous accomplishment and opportunity. But if your goal is to become a book editor and you hate math and science, 
you might find that the Naval Academy, for as amazing as it is, is not the right school for you. So can you see how acknowledging the truth of who we are can lead us down paths that, that we're not prepared for and, and that have the potential to ruin us? If we don't want to talk about who we really are, we can make some big mistakes. And this concept can be applied to everything in your life, like purchasing a vacation home or, or a boat, or even making the move from an apartment into a, a house. If you know, if you know about yourself that, that you're somebody who doesn't like home maintenance, and you don't have time to, to maintain your yard, and you travel excessively, and you don't like having neighbors close by, or you want there to be a pool, but you don't want to be the one to take care of it. All of those things have to be factored into your decision. And once you've identified the facts, you can put them onto a pro and con list. The last way to collect facts is to look for the godly counsel of others. Scripture affirms there is wisdom in having advisors. We just have to be selective about who we go to for counsel. We need to be careful not to just seek out the people that are going to tell us exactly what we want to hear. Why on earth would you go get a second opinion if the first opinion you have is what you wanted to hear anyway? So for any decision, you want fellow believers with whom you can talk through all of the facts, including those motives and desires that you're aware of and who will listen with spiritual ears. These people, will, they will be the ones to read between the lines of your life, and they will offer up biblical, emotional, and spiritual truth. And here's a secret. They don't have to be pastors to do that. Many of us have had the experience of having to go and, and buy a car and I don't know if you knew this, but there are hundreds of cars that you can choose from. And, and you could buy your car from a dealership, you could buy it from an individual, you could buy it from eBay, you could get a new car, you could get a used car. And so when you find yourself thinking about that kind of purchase, if you are collecting facts, please don't call me. I know nothing about cars. This is not my gifting. But what you could do what you could do is you could call Bob Frederick. Now, Bob's an elder here at the church. He's not a pastor. He has zero theological education. He has never preached a sermon on a Sunday morning. But Bob is an auto mechanic. And his sermons are preached by the way that he treats people, by the reputation that he has for honesty and fairness. Recently, <clears throat> it was really cool, I got to see this discussion unfold on a website called nextdoor.com that lets you talk about local businesses and about your neighbors and all of that kind of stuff. And there was this posting about Bob and, and his reputation and how many people in this community outside of this church respect him and count on him for his wisdom. But the thing that really caught my attention was that someone put up this post about how Bob takes care of his elderly mother. And he goes and he sees Marge every single day. And that speaks to his character and his integrity. And as a pastor, I was so proud of that, that somebody out in the community saw this, this uh, 
attribute of Bob and wanted to celebrate it. So when we had to go purchase a new car, we went to Bob and we took in our old cars and we, and we asked questions like, how much longer would these cars actually last? What kind of repairs were we, were we looking at ahead of? What, um, what would be the value of trading in versus just selling? All sorts of things that, let's be honest, they're, they're not spiritual. They're not spiritual, they're not Jesus-y type questions. But we went to somebody who could give us faithful counsel and could do it from a place of faith and integrity that could be trusted. So when you have collected all of your facts, when you have the biblical truths, when you've looked at the truth of who you are, when you've gone to godly counsel, then you can write them down in a pro and con list. And you can cross out those things that are fear-based and sinful. So if you go back to my Alaska situation, and, and you go back to my argument about, I don't want to give birth to a child in the Alaskan wilderness. Well, that may be a fact, that may be a truth about myself, but that's also a fear-based response. There's, there's not a lot of trust in that, that's putting my faith in myself. So I want you to look at the list that Paul gave the Galatians then. Have you included facts that lend themselves to idolatry, to envy, just because it is a fact that your current home is worth less than the median price of other homes in the area doesn't mean that you are coming in with a fact in an unbiased way if your motivation for finding that fact is that you're envious of your neighbor. All of us are susceptible to what's called confirmation bias, that we will go find the facts that support what we want to do anyway. And hearing only the facts that we want helps us to make the case for what we've already decided is the outcome, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do here. But what if it's a fact that staying in your current home, which is paid off, would allow you to be more generous with your finances? How do we know that that's a good fact to keep? Well, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. So a fruit of the Spirit is generosity. And if a decision that you're going to make causes you to be able to increase your generosity, that is a fact that can remain on your list because it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a tangible way that we know that the Holy Spirit of the living God is guiding us. So doing your research and getting the facts, that takes time. It takes a lot of time to do that. It's probably the most time-consuming part of this whole process of moving at a sacred space. And it's not meant to paralyze us, because you all have met people that, that freeze, they can't make a decision because they want to gather more facts and more facts and more facts. Well, that's not what you do here. Here, you gather enough facts to slow yourself down to listen for the voice of God. Because if we intentionally seek out the ways that God is speaking into our lives, then we can see how the Holy Spirit wants to guide our decision. Moving through this step, this part of the process, will move you into a place where you can really start to advance to the Lord's answer. The other two steps come in very fast after this. 
When you get the Lord's answer, you'll know it because that peace will wash over you as a decision that comes from the heart of God and is guided by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord God, a lot of us struggle to differentiate between fact and opinion. And even sometimes when we get the facts, we want to manipulate them and and use them to our desired outcome. Help us to look at the truths of Scripture, to be honest about who we are, and to surround ourselves with godly counsel. Help us to take this part of the process seriously, to invest the time that is needed to, to make those decisions that give us the best outcome, not only for us, but bring glory and honor to you. In your name we pray. Amen.